1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Olivia Ekpinay, aka Storm, today. <laughs> Storm. And I am joined with Ashley Titians, aka Hermione Granger.
2: Yes, Hermione, yes.
1: <laughs> I absolutely love it. I am super excited for this week's episode. We have an Olympian who's going to be joining us. On our show today, who's going to be competing in the New York City Marathon this weekend? We're going to highlight our favorite moments from the championship part of the weekend. We're going to discuss more. About some Barman Track Club news, yes. have a conversation about which programs are winning the recruiting game right now. And of course, we're going to dive a little bit more into the New York City Marathon. But before we bring on our special guests, we have to thank our wonderful sponsors. Are you looking for a delicious and nutritious snack that is packed with a real protein punch? Crack into a good source of protein with tasty, healthy, wonderful pistachios each one ounce serving of wonderful pistachios contains six grams of protein giving you over 10 percent of your daily value it's one of the highest protein that's out there but that's not all hermione pistachios are also known for their fiber and they're better for you unsaturated fats which may help you keep feeling fuller longer and that's just not the best part about it wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors sizes. We've already talked about the season salt. We've dived into the lightly salted today, so it's perfect for enjoying some time with your family and friends as we're finishing off the football season, cross countries kicking off. So whether you're dropping the kiddos off, going in between meetings, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Wonderful pistachios would be your now go-to snack of course check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about these wonderful green wonders and how they can power up your day so thank you wonderful pistachios so without further ado i am super 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 excited to have molly huddle on the podcast with us today molly was six at the Rio Olympic Games in the 10K and has made three world teams for Team USA in the 5K and the 10K. And this weekend, like I mentioned, she's gonna be competing at the New York City Marathon, not for the first time, not for the second. This is going to be her third time. So she was fourth in 2018, third in 2016, and she's now a mama co-author of How She Did It. Molly, thank you so much for joining us today. We're super excited to have you on here.
0: Yeah. Hi, Olivia. Thanks for the great intro. Hi, Ashley. Uh, Ladies, I like the costumes. You look great. Thank you. I wish
1: I joined in. I love
0: Halloween, so. I I should have given you a
1: warning. I should have done that. I should (laughs) have have been like, Molly, come dress up with us. That would have
0: been awesome. Gotta celebrate (laughs) Halloween. Yes. Are you doing
1: anything for Halloween? Like, do, do you and your family have a special theme? You
0: you know, so our our street did like a little kids parade on Saturday. So we took my daughter to that. And even though she's like too little to get the candy and stuff. And then on Halloween, we go to my friend's house on the other side of town because they do Halloween like porch parties and like all kinds of fun stuff. So we'll do that tomorrow. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, tomorrow.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of being a mama now, how has been being a mommy been for you? And how has training for the New York City Marathon have been different for you since being a mother?
0: It does feel different, not going to lie. The baby toddler years are just, it's demanding. And so, you know, I'm doing things like I'm still breastfeeding and she's still trying to sleep her way through the night and not really. so. My recovery isn't as good as it used to be and so our training has had to adjust so it's definitely a whole new world coming into the marathon um as a mom and i just haven't run one in quite a few years now you know with being pregnant and postpartum so we really wanted to get a marathon in before the trials and um see what it's like now in this stage of life so we'll find out (laughs) i love it i love it yeah that's right you know you just mentioned like it's been a while since you've ran a
2: marathon you've ran a couple halves this year and now you're gonna be going back to the full marathon and it's your third New York City marathon. So, you know, what's it like now as you approach, you know, your third marathon, but your first one in a while?
0: Yeah, I I really just want to be reminded of like what that last 10K feels like because <laughs> you kind of block it out. Yes. <laughs> I feel like everyone who runs a marathon blocks it out after like the next day and then they want to do another one. So I want to remind myself, I want to be prepared for that last 10K and just kind of see where my cracks are, you know, where are the flaws? What do I have to patch up before February? Um, I, New York is a really hard, difficult course. It's an awesome course, but it's definitely going to test me. And I do feel a little better that I've at least run it twice before. I like know what to expect. So mm-hmm. that's good.
1: And I feel like how, and I know you've been competing in a couple of races, and I know you will talk about the Boston 10 cane a little bit, but... Right now with you training for the New York City Marathon, I feel like this is a special race for you that like I mentioned this is your third time competing here. So why is this race so special for Molly?
0: Well anytime I run in New York City, it's special. I just feel like I rise to like a better level of competition because I love that city. I love racing through New York. I love the energy you know a lot of the races happen in Central Park or Manhattan, but New York, City Marathon, you get to touch on all five boroughs and it's just like the best day of the year. Um, So I just get excited when I'm excited. I run well. And, you know, I grew up in upstate New York, so New York City was always like Mecca for me. Like, I feel like every girl uh, in my class, we dream of like moving to New York City when we get older. So this is my version of like visiting New York. And like, you know, it's just such a spectacle and such an amazing weekend to take part. So um, New York Marathon's always been just you know an amazing event for me to be a part of and even spectating I just love the environment
1: yeah and I know I I saw like I mentioned the Boston 10k and I follow you on Instagram so I saw where you competed at the Boston 10k for women to kind of tune up as you called it for this marathon this weekend so how are you feeling physically and mentally going into the weekend
0: Yes, we did something a bit different going like usually I do a half uh, in a marathon build up and we did two 10Ks instead. I just didn't want to travel and I love the all women's races. You know, my coach was like, go do the REI women's 10K. I know you like that race. You've had a good history there. Um, Definitely was had more marathon legs. You know, I haven't been doing very much like fast stuff that you would want to have in your legs for a 10K. But considering that I, you know, was able to run like pretty close to the fastest paces I did in practice and just string them all together for a 10K. So um, I'm hoping the marathon feels a little easier than that. But I think, you know, I came out of it healthy. It was a good workout. It was a fun day. So um, I think it fit in really well to the training, even though it's not quite as long as we usually race (laughs) before a marathon.
2: Now, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, we spoke with Sam Grotwald, who is in charge of, you know, putting together all the elite races that, you know, New York City Marathon, and all the New York Roadrunners events. And he kind of broke down the process of like, OK, for each athlete, you know, in the elite field going in, they're going to have different goals, right? Different goals that they're starting to hit and why they want to run New York City Marathon. You know, what would you say for you is your goal this weekend for New York City?
0: That's definitely true. You know, some years I go there and I'm trying to make the podium. Some years I go there and like this year, it's this is different. I just want to get a marathon under my belt. Um, I want to break two thirty, but you know, sometimes time is out the window. Um, I want to compete well. Um, and there's an amazing international field. You know, I think up front there's going to be an insane battle between those top four or five women. Um, you have uh, Latez Nabet Gidey, You have Helen O'Beary. You have like it's, it's loaded. There's so many winners. good women. Like, yeah. Yeah, so I'm probably not going to get mixed up in that. And I'm going to focus more on, like, the American field and getting through it healthy and just seeing how this tra- training translates. So mm-hmm. that's more our mission this year. I love that. Now, what have what would you describe as maybe your biggest challenge that
1: you faced in the 2023 calendar year that you felt like you overcame?
0: Oh, gosh. I would say definitely the um, femoral stress fracture. I... Got that in May of this year. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and it was, it was around, it was March. It was around New York City half. And I was just starting to get good training in. And then, you know, I'd already had a long layoff with the postpartum period. And I'd gotten back in shape and then had to take another, like, three months off. So mm-hmm. I think just kind of getting through that, learning, like, the new rules of my body at this stage. You know, I can only push so far. I'm, like, a little bit weak in certain areas, a little bit um like deficient in certain things just from like the breastfeeding so just figuring all that out and then trying to get back on track i didn't think i'd be able to fit a marathon in uh, after that and i'm glad we are like i'm really glad we're fitting one in in the fall so to me that's a win Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we even like had time for this build up after such a big injury that's huge um, is a win you know now looking at the fall you know you'll have new york city
2: New York City Marathon, and then, you know, going into 2024, like you mentioned, you're looking ahead, hopefully, to, you know, the Olympic trials and doing well there and putting something together there as well. Like, um, you know, how important, you know, as you're going into 2024, what do you think is going to be the biggest key for you, especially going into, you know, potentially the trials and stuff like that as well?
0: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, that early early year uh, target of the trials is on everyone's calendar, so, mm-hmm. I'm going to try and recover as well as I can from this race and almost roll this buildup into that buildup. You know, I know this work will serve me. Um, focus on the trials, do the best I can that day. And then after that, just kind of assess what we want to do with the year. You know, I still never got like a flat, fast marathon course in this year, like I was hoping to. New York's a bit, um, you definitely leave some time on the table in New York, you know, it's a great course, but it's, it's hard to PR there. Mm-hmm. So. I think we could look at that for 2024, but we'll see. I'm just gonna live like a few like months at a time as far as my races go and just see what leads to the next thing. Mm-hmm.
1: I-, I don't know if you've seen the video. I know Ashley sent this to me, I think last year, where it shows the oh, video yes, yes. of like, where exactly you're going to be running? And I'm like, gosh, 26 looks, 26.2 miles just looks extremely Especially long. Especially like the New
0: York
2: City one because it shows you going it from shows like you, It's a point yes. to point. So it shows you going through all the boroughs and everything. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah.
1: So my, Molly, my question for you, is there a certain area, I know you said the last 10K, you're like, you're trying to remember what that feels like. But is there any certain part of that race where you're like, okay, I remember specifically, this is how I felt. Because you've done this, you know, two years in the past. So is there one particular area where you're like, okay, I really got to pay close attention to this part because it could be a little bit tricky.
0: Yeah, I think everyone talks about, like, you're coming up um, Fifth Ave uh, before you go into the park, and Mm. it's just, like, this gradual uphill, and that's where a lot of, like, people are caught, you know? You can catch people, or you're the one being passed, and, like, you want to be the (laughs) one passing people on that stretch, because it's just, it's a grind, and you're, like, 5k to go, and it's, like, a lot of, a lot of things happen there. Um, So, I remember, um, passing quite a few, maybe two people the first year I ever did it there. And then the second time I did it, I just could not reel anybody in. And so I'm just like having that in my head, like that's where you wanna be racing is first half. Okay, so mm-hmm. fifth half going up sorry.
1: the hill. We'll be there cheering for you. <laughs>
0: yes. If I ever run Yeah, this is a good spot marathon. to cheer, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, lastly, before we let you leave, you know, you've been around this sport for so long, you know, and this is just another chapter in that long, you know, you know, on your resume and stuff and part of that long career, what do you think has been maybe like the biggest key to your success and, you know, your love for the sport over the years?
0: Oh man, I think maybe just trying to, you know, make new challenges for myself. Like I have tried quite a few different events um, and since moving to the marathon, I just feel like we haven't really nailed it yet. Or we've had, my first one went pretty well, but then there's just so much, (coughs) excuse me, so much you can work on. Mm-hmm. So as long as there's something to work on, I'm interested. <laughs> I love that. Actually, I thought of one more question. Yeah, before
1: I we.
2: I was like, you've got to ask Molly
1: this question. So we asked <laughs> a
2: lot of our guests this question. Do you, since, because you met, what reminded me is you've, you know, you've done all sorts of different events. Do you prefer track, cross country, or road running and like marathoning more? Which one and why?
0: They're all awesome. They're all what's kept me interested that you can like bounce back and forth in these di- different, uh, kinds of races i cross country i want to love it but i'm just it's so hard like it's not my strong suit (laughs) i love the concept of cross country and then i really like probably as far as feeling the most natural it's the track for me it's just like i'm good when you can like zone in and like get that data every 400 meters so um yeah that's fun but the marathon i just really like it keeps me wanting to like have a good one (laughs) like i keep wanting to come back and like get it right so
1: i totally understand that Mm -hmm. totally understand that Molly, thank you so much for your time today. We are super excited to see you compete this weekend at the New York City Marathon. As I mentioned, Ashley and I will be flying in Wednesday, so we'll be there on the ground. So I'll be keeping my eyes out for you. Safe travels to you and happy Halloween as
0: well. Yeah, you too. Thanks, ladies. Thank you, Molly. (laughs)
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm so happy we were able to have Molly joining us today. So before we move into our big key segments, I just want to make a quick little note here that Ashley and I are just super excited to be um, the co-host for the Flow Track podcast now. As you guys know, Gordon Mack, um, he has been kind of the face of the Flow Track podcast, and he will no longer be joining us um, on this podcast anymore. So with all that being said, we enjoyed So much of his time here on the podcast, he's done so much for us. And I know they've been filled with so many great memories. So we have this amazing highlight video that we wanted to share with you before we dive into the next part of our show. Hey Gordon, you excited about the upcoming cross country season? Boy, howdy, I sure am. But what's gonna happen with all the seniors leaving? I don't know, I wonder who's gonna be left. Hey guys, look what I found in the broom closet. What's that? I don't know, some
2: sort of glove. Let me see that. It's shiny. I wonder if I could snap my fingers with it. Have you been selected to run in the
1: West Regional Prelims here in Austin, Texas? If so, come on down to 2922 East Caesar Chavez, home of Flow Sports HQ. The zip code is I don't know. Google it because this is where we are. This used to be a garage, but now it's the home for track and field. Let's check it out.
2: Gordon. 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 My name is Gordon, and I work at FlowTrack.
0: Gordon told me, we are back, and Adam is here. To my right is Gordon from FlowTrack.
1: For those who don't know, my goal is to dunk a basketball. Don't watch the one with the ball. Show the one with the ball. The one with the ball is
0: okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> One bad race shouldn't matter. Two bad races, that's a trend. You're out.
0: AMM says
1: Gordon has great takes. And that was Gordon saying that Fred Curry was going to break Usain Bolt's world record.
2: You may only have 24 hours left of the trump card of Usain Bolt being the
0: world record player. What? 24 what?
2: That's the best thing about Sprint fans. They talk all the shit, talk shit, yeah. get proven wrong, and then the next day, they're back to talking shit again. We
0: even got workout equipment. <sighs> Time for the showers. We got girls' bathrooms. Did I break 2903? I see that Gordon now. Working that just for me. I know that sash ain't real.
1: That's it. Those are the rules.
2: James, I think we spent a little too much time on that intro. I think you're right.
0: We got girls' bathrooms. That sounds fing (laughs) crazy.
2: with all that being said this has just been a super
1: crazy weekend yes full of championships across the board so man there was just so much to unpack but what ashley and i have decided to do is we were picking our top team and top individual that has impressed us during this weekend so actually let's start with the teams first which team really caught your eyes
2: and really probably elevated themselves. Well, weekend. I think before we get go into this, I think we need to preface, like, just maybe go through a rundown of, like, what all happened this weekend. We okay. had ACC's where you have, you know, you have the NC State women, Caitlin Turing, doing their, doing their thing. You have the UNC men win there. And then, you know, SEC's, you have the Parker Valby storyline. And then, you know, Pac-12, there's upsets everywhere. Like, it was just a wild weekend, you know? And so I think that's, kind of the big point is like if there's so much to unpack that i think it's easiest for us to break it down this way and so just prefacing that there yes. but you know first looking at the team that impressed me the most this week and it's definitely gosh like okay when i looked at the big 10 results i was shocked to see like just how dominant wisconsin was on the men's team front you know like going into this meet there were some questions like you know how good is wisconsin i know you know, Bob Liking didn't run at Comb They didn't run, a, you know, a few of their top athletes in their top seven. So I think there are some questions, right, you know, around, okay, how are these men going to do when it comes to conference? Well, they decided to go out there and score 19 points, almost perfect score. And, I mean, they were dominant in this race. They went one, two, four, five, and seven. That's their top five. They all finished within that top seven there. And then their fifth runner went, you know, he finished 10th place, and then or sixth runner, excuse me. And then their seventh runner finished 26. And, again, that's just dominant showing. I mean, yeah. they beat Michigan, who was in second by 50 points. They had their entire top six in before, you know, all teams put two athletes in. Only Michigan, I believe, put two in before Wisconsin's sixth guy crossed, which is crazy. And, you know, going into the weekends, they were ranked 24th in the, the ustf CCCCA coaches <laughs> poll. And, you know, I assume that after this, they have to jump, like, way up the rankings. Like, I'm yeah. thinking, like, top 10. Like, That kind of performance you know especially at a conference meet you know you have bigger schools like michigan and stuff like that like that's pretty dominant and then you know like i mentioned too you have bob liking who's their number one runner and he has now won three straight individual titles which he can make that four next year and only a few athletes have ever done that so that would be pretty historic and you know again like i mentioned he didn't run a noody comb and so i think people were curious to see like all right is bob going to be back and he was back in a big way so I think the winner for me of this weekend is absolutely Wisconsin because I think they've proven that they are a top 10 team in the nation, like, absolutely. I agree with you there. I'm going to
1: kind of shift gears a little bit, talking about another big conference. I'm talking about Big 12. I talked about BYU before, and I'm going to bring them up again because BYU women looked fantastic. And I think the biggest thing here was, you know, we talked about, I believe it was last week, how they're going to have to face Oklahoma State. And, you know, BYU was ranked number four going into the weekend. OSU was ranked number six on the ladies' side. And so I was just really curious about how this was going to shake up. But BYU, first time in the Big 12, and the ladies put together a huge, well, not a huge win, they won by four points, but I think huge in the fact that, like, this is definitely a confidence booster moving forward. They won with 35 points to uh, Oklahoma State's 39, and all seven of the women earned all Big 12 Uh, team, which is huge. They finished 4th, 6th, 7th, 8th, 10th, 13th, and 14th. And Oklahoma State came in. They they won the title, finished as the runner-up there, 5th, 15th, and 16th. And I thought that was really impressive. Like, BYU was just on point. I talked about Jenna um, Hutchins, she ran well, Carmen Alder ran well. The whole squad showed up that day and did what they needed to do. So I think BYU women have definitely have showcased their talent and have definitely said, hey, yeah, we're definitely supposed to be ranked in the top five, and it's our first year in the Big 12. Thank you for the invitation. We're ready to just showcase some (laughs) dominance here. So for you, Ashley, I know we just talked about teams. Who was the individual? that really caught your attention
2: um so like i mentioned it's bob liking you know oh, yeah. like that's that's who i think because again like he was one where he hadn't raced nutty so it's like all right you're not racing your home meet your biggest meet on the season and like or one of the biggest meets like in the regular season mm-hmm. like what's up there but what's i up? guess it was just strategy you know i think there are a lot of let's run threads like where's bob <laughs> liking where is he well he made himself known and again like i mentioned it's really historic he wins his third straight title he could make it four um you know next year and so he you know he comes out and gets the w and does it in a pretty big way so i think that's pretty honestly i think that's pretty impressive
1: for me on the ladies side i picked a young talent from colorado if you don't know the name carrie baloga you definitely need to she is a freshman uh she just graduated from cornwall high school out in new york just fantastic athlete she won the champs sports national cross country championship title uh last cross country season and she wasted no time putting herself out there as a freshman to look out for and so she was 21st at the virginia invitational she was 39th at Nunningcombe, but then grabbed a top 10 finish at the pac-12 she finished eighth overall and of course one of the she was the top freshman the second fastest underclassman to compete um at these championships so i was really impressed to see carrie baloga i know she's been super excited to represent colorado and Wasted no time doing great things. Yeah, which, I was actually surprised amazing.
2: to see her. I mean, obviously, I think she's a very great talent. I was kind of surprised to see her up there because I know yeah. she hasn't. been I don't think she's raced every, in every meet this season for them. So I was surprised to see her go out there and do really well for them. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our next segment,
1: which is what we're calling the most shocking results from over the weekend. And I think you and I are both on the same page. Are we on, this, both on the same page? We're both on the same page. I went in also in another direction, but I definitely agree with your pick here. So let's talk about
2: okay, the we, Washington. Well, I think we just need to say, first off, the Pac-12 championships. Like, what happened there? <laughs> the whole time, I'm like, looking at these results. I'm like, what the hell did we just witness here? Like, it's it was so insane. many upsets, not just on the women's side, but like on the men's side too, which I know you and I are going to dive into in a little bit. But like, yeah. first off, with the women, going into this into this meet, you had like... Four really solid teams in the Pac 12, all ranked going into this. You had number five, Stanford, number nine, Oregon State, number 14, Oregon, and number 19, Washington. Well, what happens here? No, it's not number five, Stanford that wins, or Oregon State or Oregon. It's Washington that comes away with this upset here. They went six, seven, 10, 14, and 21 for 58 points, and they, they beat Stanford by two points, who, I mean, right. Crazy. ranked num- number 5 in the country, you know, a big favorite there and um you know if you're looking to at the rest of the results, Washington finished 29 points ahead of Colorado, 30 points ahead of Oregon, and then Oregon State took 6 overall. So like so wacky. How what happened? the results I mean, hey, I think maybe that just shows you that the polls were a wrong <laughs> or b just that like Washington sometimes they, you just need that motivation to get ready Get to the start line in Big Twelves, It's the last Big 12 championships ever, and it went really well for them. You know, if you look into it a little bit more, too, you know, Stanford even had the individual winner in Amy Bunnage and Lucy Jenks, who was fifth overall, but they still lose out on that title. And they went 1-5, 17, 18, 19. And the issue here for Stanford is that Washington had their fourth in before Stanford's third. You yeah, know? So like. Yeah. That spread and that pack running did much better for Washington than it did for Stanford because you know, you had your top two all the way out, but that gap between two and three at four five, that's what cost them. And so, um, again, that was pretty shocking for me. They I think even they were shocked if I I've, I've seen some pictures in the uh, videos from, like, after the the race, and Washington's just, like, going crazy, like, just because they won, and so... And rightfully so. But then also, okay, I want to throw this out there, because I I was thinking about this right after this happened. All these shakeups, things don't go as planned. Right. It makes me wonder, like, does this just mean that maybe there's only two standouts in this you know what I mean? So it's like, are there any other standout favorites on the NCAA women's side besides NAU and NC State? Because everyone else is just shifting every week.
1: So that's why we love cross country. That's why we lo- first of all, that's why we yeah, love Yeah, but track. usually things can be predictable, you know? And that was yeah. not predictable. It was not predictable. So. I agree with you. I was completely shocked. I was like, wait a second. What happened to Stanford? Mm-hmm. Was it a bad day? But they still, Stanford still ran well. That's the thing. They ran well, but they need to close that gap They definitely need to do that, yes. Two and three. Let's just put it that way. Let's just... Yes. And Washington comes up with the win. Let's get to the guy side, because I have huge... I have a lot of questions here. Oh, yeah. Let's let's stay on this. That's where I have the most <sighs> questions, I think. Okay. Let's talk about the Oregon men here, because I was very, very confused on... <laughs> I just want to know the thought process. Okay, so yeah, we yeah. all know Simeon Birnbaum. Like, if you don't know Simeon Birnbaum, look him up, because... Fantastic runner. He's been running, but not officially, like as a duck. He's been uh, he's been unattached. Unattached the past meet that he yes. ran. Mm-hmm. he ran well. Why wasn't he running? We also know Connor Burns, another freshman, and he competed at Pac-12.
2: See, okay. Here's the here's the confusing thing, right? Is like he, you know, he's probably thinking, okay, we're gonna run. We're gonna run Burn Bomb and Burns unattached in that first home meet with the intentions of we're gonna redshirt them this year. So that way we have them for like four or five years when they're older, you know, more training, more experience underneath their belts. We'll save them for there. So the confusing thing for me is then why are you all of a sudden running Burns in uniform finishes 30 at that Pac 12s, but then Burn Bomb doesn't race? You know, I it, it's I just a little confusing too. to me because I also saw too, like if Burn Bomb had brand, he likely could have helped Oregon to finish second in the team race instead. And if he had gotten, I believe, in the top two, I think I saw something, he, they, he would have helped them win. Which, who knows, if that really just, would have happened. But, like, still, almost, I think there's just a lot of people are, maybe some questions. Obviously, I feel like there's a bigger picture that we're missing right now. I mean, obviously, at this point, it's obvious that, I mean, red redshirting, but then, you now you have Burns running that, in the Oregon uniform at That's conference, what's confusing. Which is a little confusing to me, so...
1: Like, we we run Burns in the conference meet.
2: Nothing before. So like, I guess you aren't red him. I don't know. No, but. you can't now. So, yeah, that's where I'm confused, personally. So I think that's the biggest surprise from Pac-12. That's the biggest surprise? Pac-12. Oregon was surprising. Whole lineup. Whole lineup. Yeah. Okay.
1: I'm going to switch gears and shift it to the SEC. This does not come as a surprise. What surprised me was the time. My jaw mm-hmm. hit the ground. Yeah. Parker yeah. Valby goes... 1837 to win the SCC championships to defend her title. Like, excuse me. <laughs> like, she is in a league of her own. She went 858 for 3k. Her 5k split was 5-15-13. She was running 438 pace, and she completely separated herself from the rest of the field with 2k to go. Yep, that's like, pretty amazing. 1837. Excuse you.
2: Yes. Well, the thing I is, that. I, I was like, think, actually, I think the most impressive part is she was up there running with all the Alabama girls. Yes. And with, like, still a K to go, all of a sudden she just, like, the way she separated from them with, like, literally a K to go was the most impressive thing to me about this whole thing. Because I believe she ended up beating them by, like, 30 plus seconds or something. I can't, I'm trying to find the results right now to look.
1: While you're looking that up, I'm going to give you some stats. So she led Florida to the team title, 51 points to Arkansas 62. All five of their scoring runners placed in the top 20 and three of them were in the top 10. Fantastic. This is the program's seventh SEC cross-country championship title and the first one since 2012, which is incredible.
2: Yes, crazy. Also, I wanted to, so 459 pace, not 438 pace for oh, this 6 yes. I just wanted to. <laughs> I'm like 438 pace. There's no <laughs> way. <laughs> um, I'm still trying to find the results. But anyways, I think just like the the moral of the story here is, I mean, we're not surprised. Parker Valby's freaking good. And I think the funny thing too afterward is I believe after the race they interviewed Will Palmer, Florida head coach. And you know, obviously Valvi's very famous for, you know, having a heavy cross cross training routine. And I think someone asked like, you know, how many mi- you know, how much how many days is she running a week right now? 3. And he said something and I, I believe his response was usually two. So she's running 2 days a week and, you know, obviously doing the cross training. I just think that was a uh, an interesting note there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I found the results. So you were looking for
1: So Parker Valby, eighteen thirty-seven. Doris Lamungle from Alabama went nineteen eleven two.
2: Okay, so that's the crazy thing, right? Because yes. she, they were literally with each other for till the final K, and then she dropped forty seconds ahead of her. Like that's insane. Absolutely nuts. So now, I guess the biggest question, mm-hmm.
1: just just kind of looking ahead. Let's just skip regionals. Let's just say Parker Valby, Caitlin too, would do what they need to do. We're at NCAA's now. We're in middle mid November. At this point in time, they both ran you new know, their conference championships. Caitlin Toey wins ACC's, Valby wins SEC's. At this moment,
2: who has the upper hand right now? Is it Valby? Parker Valby, absolutely. Like, wow, I didn't even know. And I'm not even trying to there's no hate to anyone. It's just it's it's fact, right? Like she she put down, I mean, she beat Toey dominantly pretty pretty dominantly in Nuttycomb. No one even really challenged her there for that latter half of the race. And then I think, again, the way that she was able to run with the pack comfortably at a fast pace for so long at SECs and then just drop the hammer with a K to go and still beat the rest of the field by 40 seconds, like no one's going to beat her. She has that kick now, right? Like obviously we saw at Nuttycomb, you know, she did what she did at NCAAs last year where she went out really fast, but this time she was able to hold on and just like cruise ahead but Mm -hmm. then this this go around she sticks with the pack she sticks with the leaders lets them do all the work and then she's like all right i'm just going to take off kick it kick it into the end like at this point she's shown she can win both ways and so i think that's her upper hand right she can win if she goes out really hard or she can win if she sticks a little bit and then decides to wait and then go Mm -hmm. so i would say it's it's valby so
1: now valby has opened up another play to her playbook I know yeah. going into, we've, we've talked about Valby a handful of times on the podcast of like, okay, her race strategy is going out hard. Yeah. And have you tried to catch her? But now, like you said, she just revealed another play here. Yeah, I know. And it's like, hey, I could hang tight mm-hmm. and then decide to kick. Yeah. And still win by like 40 seconds. So domination, total mm-hmm. domination. So, with all that being said, um, I love this, this question for us whose stocks have gone up? Um, from this weekend, do you have a special team that like well, Rose? I'm going to start. I picked an individual and okay, perfect. and a team. So, okay, that's what I did too. Yes,
2: yeah, so, you know, looking again, trying to aggregate all this conference championship information into like the most I think important parts. And mm-hmm. so, you know, one athlete that I think after this weekend, her stock has risen in an insane amount. It has to be Taylor Rowe of Oklahoma State. She wins the Big Twelve individual title. She hadn't raced at all yet this season this was her first race of the 2023 cross-country season and i think there are some questions as you know whether or not she was healthy but then she goes in to big 12s and she wins this race she ran 1935 for 6k won this race by seven seconds and so um i think this was a huge win for her you know obviously um you know i think this is key especially as you're going into regionals to see like okay hey she can not only is she now racing again i don't know you know the reasons why she waited so long to debut, but like, okay, hey, now I can go into regionals with this confidence that, like, hey, I can win and then go to NCAAs. And she's, you know, an NCAA contender and has been for a couple of years. And so I think having Taylor Roe back is both huge for her and individually, but also for Oklahoma State as a team as well.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. So I lied. I only have one team. I had <laughs> two notes. I had two notes, but like, one is because we had the conversation. I had Washington Woman.
0: After yes, their dominating yes.
1: performance at Pac-12s, their stocks have definitely risen. But I also want to talk about the Colorado woman um, because the UFT, USTFCCCA um, has them ranked number 20, and they finished third at Pac-12s with 87 points and was just 27 points behind Stanford. Again, I mentioned Carrie Beloga, the freshman, led, led the team. They beat Oregon, they beat Utah, and Oregon State, who were ranked well minus utah um but oregon and oregon state have been ranked in front of colorado and i really feel like the colorado woman really showcased yeah their i think talents. i
2: think colorado's been kind of an enigma you know i think yes. they're dealing with some injuries natalie cook isn't running um some other athletes as well and so i think this third place is a pretty big confidence boost for oh, them, considering yes. you know what they're dealing with i think this yes. season any
1: other thoughts on stock ups?
2: Oh, I got my team. You can't forget my I team. I can't forget the team. Up. Okay. All right. How about the UNC <laughs> men? I think I was wrong. I was very wrong in this prediction. I'm pretty sure last <laughs> week I said there was no question that uh, that Syracuse would win. Like We both
1: sure. we both said that. I was
2: like, no one's beating Syracuse. We both said that. Well, UNC completely, completely proved me wrong. They win their first ACC t- title since 1985. That's that's a long time. It's been a long time since 1985. And. I mean much much earlier than I was born. Um, you know they got beat pretty badly um, by again team title favorite Syracuse at Nuttycomb, you know, but then they come back to ACCs and they reverse the scripts they put the top their top four all within the top 10 of the race and they beat Syracuse by 16 points and Parker Wolf took the individual win there. so UNC men stock up.
1: And you said Parker Wolf. One.
2: I was right about that one. Okay. You were wrong. You were wrong. Rocky Hansen did not line he, up. Unfortunately, he yes. He did not line up. So um, I was seeing reports that maybe he's dealing with some, uh, got kind of banged up from Nutty Cone, maybe dealing with an injury. So um, hopefully he'll be ready for regionals.
1: Rocky, i cheering for you for regionals.
2: <laughs> All right.
1: More breaking news as we move forward in this, this show. Just about roughly 10 days ago, Grant Fisher made the post that he was leaving the Bowerman Track Club. And as of two days ago, Cooper Tier makes an Instagram post saying that he is also leaving the Bowerman Track Club. Is the Bowerman Track Club in danger right now? And oh, we talked about this. We're like,
2: like I feel like now.
1: one. Grant Fisher left, and we're like, is anybody else leaving?
2: And then we get this news. Well, I think do we need like a, a standing segment every week of the podcast? For we might a have to. track club. If this continues, exiting. And if then you this just continues, insert athlete name into parentheses. If this continues, I mean, wait, are they in danger right now? Is the track club well, okay? In let's danger? talk about this first, right? Like uh, Grant Fisher leaving was huge news, right? Yes. Like his caliber as an athlete especially this year and over the years for bowerman like he's been their guy like he has been the guy for bowerman and now you know cooper cheer he's a, he's been a us champion at 1500 meters i believe that was back in 2022 so he's good in his own right but it makes you wonder is the jerry effect no longer working is it done here's uh-huh. my thought process right i know we were talking about this in the office like what's up like <laughs> what, what, could is be happening? The, what could be the reasons? what could be going on here are my thoughts. A, we know the club moved from Portland to, to Eugene because Jerry's coaching at Oregon, and you know you're in your twenties. You really want to be. I mean, I kind of like Eugene, but not everyone likes Eugene. Like we love. There are a lot you of people. There are a Eugene. lot of people that think that's a hot take, and they don't like Eugene. So okay. being in that small area with you know just a college town, like yeah. maybe they just didn't like it. That's A. So that's A. What's B? B. B. <laughs> Emphasis <laughs> B on B is members of the club. A little concerned that Jerry's having to split his time between coaching Oregon and coaching the Bowerman Track Club. Getting a little fed up with it. They leave. Is there a C? Mm, All the above. I don't know. C, just, I don't know. Personal reasons. Okay. I, don't know. I can under- I understand both. to this, and like I
1: mentioned when we were having conversations about this, I haven't been to Portland. I've been to Eugene many times. Not been to Portland. That will change in a couple weeks when um, we cover um, NXN. So I'll be able to get a glimpse of the vibe of Portland. So I can't attest to that. But I can attest to be. And I have known a handful of athletes who have left the college environment because they're not getting the attention that they need. When you're a professional athlete, it is your full time job now. Mm-hmm. Like some athletes are training five, six hours a day. I just remember my times when I was training. It's a lot, and you want someone to be able to give you that undivided
2: attention. But I have a butt to that. But okay, if you're an, a grown adult, a yes. professional, I get that. But like at the same time, I feel like you kind of have to be like willing and able to take care of yourself a little bit as well. Like, if he has to spend a little bit more time with Oregon, that's okay. This is my money we're messing with now. See, that's the thing. But we're talking about he still has to help the kids. And that's totally
1: fine. Nothing against college coaches doing that. That's, yeah, yeah. And I understand that is probably the, the, that's probably, you're thinking about, what is the number one priority? Is it the college kids or is it the pro kids? Or the yeah. pro kids, the the pro yeah. runners, right? like. Yeah.
2: Like, yeah. I feel like you got to make
1: your pick. I feel so, like yes, way, the college there's, like, kids.
2: no good answer, almost. It's like, yeah. okay, how do I deal with this? And I, okay, I actually thought of C as another theory. <laughs> okay, I was As we were talking, I thought of C because okay. we, we mentioned this, too. Like, let's be real. Like, there hasn't been, I would say, within the past probably year, like, across the board, I feel like, you know, you can look to the numbers, and Bowerman hasn't been the most successful track club in the U.S., Okay. I mean sure you have Grant Fisher still going out there setting records and everything, but you know, some athletes have dealt with a lot of injuries yes. while at Bowerman. And like maybe maybe it's getting to that point where it's like they just they don't want to be in that anymore. Right. You know? Maybe there's something there. But that's also a theory. Again, theories. We don't we're just hypothetical.
1: Hypotheticals, hypotheticals just it talking there. it out, seeing different angles.
2: Either way, I don't know. Either are, they, way. are they in danger?
1: I don't know. I feel like it's one of those where it's like the first one you're like, okay, I get it. Second one you're like, iffy. No, I
2: didn't even get the first one. No, I think that was a warning sign. Th-
1: that was a warning sign, but I was like, okay, maybe it's just the one. No. Maybe it's just the that one, that one. I don't want to say bad egg. That's a really bad analogy, but that one individual that like it just wasn't working. When you have two now, now I start in the time span too. It's not like it's been a month. It's literally been ten days. Yeah. So it's like Grant Fisher, boom. Cooper tier literally two days ago, boom. So I'm like, oh man, something's really happening now. Yeah. So now once the if there's more to come, then it's just gonna it's
2: gonna blow up. Well, I guess we'll have to see if we're gonna be back on the pod so next Monday so your thing, person is, has left. your
1: thing was after Grant Fisher made his statement and you were like, Okay, something's going on or you're like, Okay, maybe
2: No, I was like something's going on. Absolutely. After one? After one. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Really?
2: Yeah, because just of how pro- how high profile he is, and then just hearing what people have said in the space about, you know, rumors about Bowerman Schlatt Club and stuff, and other athletes potentially wanting to leave. Like, that's how, you know, there was obviously something going on. Like, it wasn't just a one, one breaking news and done. You need to read the res- message boards more. I think that's your, the moral story here. That's how you get the gossip, oh the, the tea, gosh. the information. The message boards. Yeah.
1: Okay, Yeah. I'll make then that Then you would have known
2: that it wasn't the end.
1: I'll make it my homework then. <laughs> okay. I guess for me, I'm like, okay, I understand. It's Grant Fisher. Big name Grant Fisher.
2: No. But it's... Don't understand. Anyways. Grant Fisher.
1: Okay. Okay. Let's move on now. Uh, Another segment that we have for y'all is who's winning the recruiting game right now. This is very interesting. Well,
2: I think we should preface. We're bringing this up because, you know, we're close to National Signing Day. And so November 8th. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: literally is that next week? I'm wondering.
2: I believe that's next week. I cannot.
1: I was like, where did October go? Yes. (laughs) November 8th. next week, Wednesday is National Signing Day. So a lot of the seniors have already made their commitments. But we've been seeing a lot of distance individuals make their verbal commitments and that's for me that's normal the sprinters typically wait a couple they wait a little bit later so as of right now with the information that we have ashley and i have picked our picks on which program has kind of taken the lead when it comes to recruiting and you and i do not agree
2: no we don't (laughs) um you know, and I think, first off, this is relevant because, you know, this kind of gives you an idea of what the talent's going to look like, especially on the cross-country. And as we're in cross-country season, going ahead for the next few years. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're looking at the recruiting classes, take your, keep your eyes on Notre Dame. Notre Dame, the Fighting Irish. I think they have, by far, the best recruiting class in the entire nation for distance, especially if you look on the men's side. Like, Liv, you can't deny this. The, the class is loaded. I'm just going to list off some names <laughs> um in some time so you got i believe if you look at the men you have one two three four five six seven of the top recruits distance wise in the country including drew griffith who is currently the fastest runner in the nation at 5k for high schoolers he's run 1421 come on that translates like immediately to the college level (laughs) then you have ryan pajak from he's number nine currently in the country for 5k 1440 colin whitaker number 12 1442 and then Jason Parra, number seven for the three mile at 14.04. There's no other school that's getting as much talent right now. I can say that. They're going to be loaded when you have that many freshmen. And then even on the women's side, too, you have a bunch of athletes that have gone 17 minutes or below for 5K, which is pretty elite. So no more explanation needed. Okay. That's Ashley's How take right here. How can you disagree with that? Uh, uh. <laughs>
1: I I can't because
2: I'm about to name
1: off some stats too on my end. I'm going to pick Oregon. I feel like Oregon has, gosh, the names that they have right now that have committed are like individuals who make it to nationals and perform well. Let's talk about the Twins first. Nicole and Samantha Humphreys, they're almost in our backyard. They're in Flower Mound um, here in Texas. Samantha was 11th at NXN. I feel like she's a heavy... Uh, going into states this weekend. It's crazy to think UIL is this weekend. And then she has PRs of 207 in the 800, 441 in the mile, 1012 in the 32, and she's also running cross-country, as we know. Her twin, Nicole, was 13th at NXN last year, Double back, was 21st at Champ Sports um, in 2022. She won states. They pretty much were tied um, going across the finish line. And she has personal best of 206, 447 in the mile, 1011 in the 32. Um, she's been kind of battling some injuries this fall but I'm without a doubt sure that she's going to come out stronger and faster as we move into the spring season but another individual this is new this I think is like 24 hours new Allie eins here from Normal Community College out in Illinois she also has a New Balance national uh deal as well she's a six-time Illinois state champion 400 800 1600 fourth at Pan American U20s in 800 she was second at trials She's a New Bounce National Indoor Champion in the 800, 6th in- during the outdoor season. Ashley's quiet over here. <laughs> what? Why am I quiet? I'm not, I'm no, just, I'm just... I'm just messing with you. I'm messing with you. And then on the guy side, uh, Anthony Fast Horse of Ventura High School from California. This guy has just been rising to the occasion this cross-country season. He was second at Woodbridge with a 1,348 for three miles. He was fourth at States last year for cross-country, and he was third in the 1,600 meters with a 408 in
2: 2022 at the state championship. Can I just make a note? I saw the Alliance commit coming because we may or may not have seen her on an official visit when we were at Free Fontaine. I saw it coming.
1: We saw her there, <laughs> yeah, yes, did. but I wasn't, but again, it's one of those where you're like, okay, we see the recruits doing their thing.
2: Yeah, but I mean, you're there for prefontaine weekend. That's a pretty cool party to go yeah, to. So. exactly. Um, so that's uh. why those are some pretty heavy hitters. Okay, well, Going I, still, to Oregon. I still disagree. You only named four athletes. I named like yeah, seven. Yeah, but I just read off like pretty much their resume from only a year. Yeah, but I have in my notes here. 14 athletes written down for commits across the men and women. That's awesome. And they're all but good. I, they are great. I'm fans of your, your <laughs> high school picks. I'm just messing with you. I know. I'm just but messing with you. But I still you. think Oregon okay.
1: is doing very, very well right well,
2: now. Well, anyways, National Sign Day coming up. <laughs> Keep paying attention to what the kiddos are doing. So they're the future of the yes, NCAA. They're the future so. of NCAA. <laughs> Wrapping up our show, Ashley and I
1: will be in New York on Wednesday for the New York City Marathon. This is your second, this will be your second marathon of Of the the, year. Of the year, Yes, on the ground. Mm -hmm. So we are super excited. I'm really, as Molly Huddle kind
2: of mentioned, this woman's field. Oh, it's loaded. Loaded. Absolutely loaded. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin, you know, if you look... (laughs) There's just too many great athletes. I'll begin first, I guess, with you'll have the defending champion returning to this race. That's going to be Sharon Locati. And she won this race last year in her debut marathon, which is absolutely insane, first off. And she kind of, like, shocked the world. Like, she made huge headlines across the nation for winning the New York City Marathon, sponsored by Under Armour. She won in 223.33. However, she hasn't raced. I was looking at her world athletic profile. Yes, she I hasn't raced too. at all since literally, New York City. L- literally has not raced. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how her return to New York City goes. I mean, hey, they worked the first time, so maybe second time she can win again. And then, um, you know, looking at some of the other big names, you are going to have Helen O'Beary, which mm-hmm. she won the Boston Marathon earlier this year in two twenty one thirty eight. 38 She trains... I believe with the OAC and she was six in New York City last year. So she has been to this course. She yeah. could, she knows what to expect.
1: Yeah. I think my biggest question is, is Sharon is Sharon the heavy favorite? No. I know she's no. the defending champion, as we mentioned, like she hasn't competed. Yeah. But she's doing the
2: exact same thing she did last year. She in my mind she's not the heavy favorite just because yeah. I haven't even gotten to my, my favorite on this list. Oh. Who's your favorite? My favorite here has to be Bridget Costa Guy. Okay. She has a PR of That was the world record until it was brought down by Taguista Sefa back in Berlin a few months ago, or really a month ago, and now she's number three all-time for that distance behind Sefa and Sifan S- S- Hassan. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, she's going to be the favorite because she has that speed in her. Now, I will say, the New York City course, it's not necessarily one where, like, maybe the fastest person wins, right? Because right. as Molly was saying, you know, it's it's a challenging course. There are hills, there are turns you have to make, and it's not necessarily, you know, a good course to PR on. So we'll see what happens there. But I think, you know, it's going to be very competitive. Yeah. So I'm
1: excited. Whew. This girl's, this woman's field is just incredible, and especially just looking at Helen's resume, she's a two-time world champion, two-time Olympic silver medalist as well. Um She's ranked number five in the world right now for the half. Like, this is, this is a is You have pretty... the heavy
2: heat hitters going out there. Oh, my heavy gosh. Heavy hitters.
1: Absolutely. Let's talk about the guy's side, because I know it's probably not as in depth as yeah. the woman, but still, it's going to be a great field. Yeah,
2: you know, it's a, it's a bit of a smaller field, unfortunately, I believe. Yeah. Like, a couple people had to drop out. A couple people, out. and they were the, you know, some of the race favorites, the headliners of the race had to drop out. However, some of the people they've added, could definitely win this race. I think the biggest ad here, and my favorite to win this race, has to be Tamrat Tola of Ethiopia. Um, mainly because I think he he wants redemption. I think after mm-hmm. you know I watched him run the World Championships marathon and you know on TV in Budapest, and um, he had to drop out of that race. You know towards the end, of the the conditions were brutal there in Budapest for the marathon, and he had to drop out. And so. Um, you know, potentially he wants redemption from that and wants to have another shot at winning a marathon Mm -hmm. uh, this year. And earlier this year, he was third at the London Marathon, 204.59, and he has a personal best under 204, 203.39 back from 2021. And so, um, you know, if you look at this field, he's the fastest guy going into the field, and I think he's going to be the guy to come out on top. Mm -hmm. One individual I just want to make a note of
1: who I'm a huge uh, fan of, you're a huge fan of I I'm, I'm a huge fan of Edward Cheswick, aka King, Ches. King Ches. I I remember watching him during his organ days. I think that's when I was at Anne and we we kind of crossed paths a little bit and ever since like he went pro, I felt like he's kind of been floating underneath <laughs> the radar a little bit. Yeah. But he also ran a half marathon this year in September in Denmark, number 17 in the world with the 5911. So I'm just I'm just like excited to see
2: I'm so come to life again. curious. I'm just so curious. Again, yes. like, he hasn't ran much. No, he hasn't. Um, oh, I'm looking now. He ran the Houston half earlier this year. I was hey, there. you I were was there. there. I was did there. Did you see King Chess? I did not see King Chess. <laughs> uh, I finished eighth there, and then he ran the New York City half. So he's been in yeah. New York this year, and he finished fifth. And so, again, very curious because I feel like, well, as you mentioned, since he's Left college, it's like, oh, we're, what, where's King <laughs> Chess? We want more King Chess. We want so, more King Chess. Um, yeah, I think Edward Cheswick is going to be someone really cares to see how he does in his debut marathon. Whew. It's going to be an exciting weekend.
1: So, like I said, Ashley and I will be on the ground, so be sure to look out for us um, as we'll be handling all the coverage, all the yes. stuff that you guys are yes. wanting. You guys, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Flow Track Podcast. We're so, super excited to have you with us. Um, stay tuned to all the exciting things going on. I know there's still state championships going on this weekend on the high school side. But, of course, New York City Marathon is the big headliner. Can I, can
2: I, like, wave everyone out? Oh, you can wave everyone to, out, yes. Hermione Granger is going to
1: wave okay, us out. But okay. thank you guys so much, and we'll see you next week. See you soon.